Welcome into the Sports Buffoons Podcast. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? Welcome back into the Sports Buffoon Studios here in Lenexa, Kansas. And if you're following us here on YouTube, we got a full house today with a lot of buffoons, a little more than usual. We got Tanner Dawson over here, Jason JG, myself, Mike, and then we have a special guest as well. Uh, Mr. Connor Dawson, the hitting coach of the Milwaukee Brewers. Welcome on in. What up? How you guys doing? Good, good. Good, in good, 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 good. No one blew away during the, the storm today, I guess? No, I Not think yet. we survived it all. <laughs> Outside of the, yeah. <laughs> the dust storm, the wind, the rain, the lightning, the hail. Yeah, right? but no naders at least. No naders. So, so we're, we're good on that at least for today. So that's good to do. But it's December, guys. December, and it was like 74 degrees today. That's nuts. Oh, yeah. It's insane. And who, who would have thought, too, the frozen tundra, who just got about 8 to 10 inches of snow last weekend, is now getting naders tonight, and they're going to wake up to freezing temperatures, 19 and below, <laughs> in the morning after the naders go through. Yeah, I got a next summer. Wild. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. going to be insane. He'll be, he'll be up there in the Milwaukee area, right? Sorry. Yeah, so. but I, mean, I went golfing twice this week, so. Okay, there you go. It's gonna be still insane. fit the golfing in. That's that's good news for you then. December. So golfing in December, but let's take advantage of it while we can. I'll put it that way. That's so, right, uh, guys. We do have a lot to get to today. I mean, we're talking some fantasy, of course. We got the Chiefs coming up. Chiefs preview. Chiefs Chargers. A little bit of recap of that beatdown on the Raiders, and uh, then we're gonna wrap up with our actual top coaches this year that deserve to be fired. <laughs> so, uh, looking forward to discussing that for a little bit. Some of these guys need a big punishment. Um, <clears throat> Urban Meyer. But, you know, we'll, we'll talk about him here later on. So, uh, guys, so fantasy first and foremost for us. Um, we jump into fantasy then? Well, we need to. We need to jump into All fantasy. Right, let's do it. Because the people out there are curious about what to do about their playoff situation. Curious what to do. They're walking into the playoffs right now. In our league, we have six teams in the playoffs. CDOS, uh, I'm afraid you missed out. I don't know how I missed out. <laughs> I know how I missed out. Calvin Ridley mm-hmm. leaves. He quit, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Henderson. He's mm-hmm. hurt multiple times. Yep. Kamara was hurt for half the season. Yep. My team was nasty. Yeah, yeah. Not have not made. The Should have been a playoff team. All right. So before we jump in, mm-hmm. let's officially jump into it. Okay. Good old Gronk photo. It is a great Gronk photo. Guys, but here's the thing. So I like to consider myself at least a above-average fantasy manager over the course of my lifetime. I mean, back in my yeah. day, when I was 11 years old, I drafted Dante Culpepper, and the dude blew up. It went like 38 touchdowns or so, whatever. And since then, I've been winning championships, you know? No big deal. But I do have some tips for you guys out there that like to, uh, you know, maybe it's your first few seasons within uh, playing in a fantasy league where you're going to the playoffs. Playoffs probably start this week. Uh, we have an extra game this season, of course, going into week 18. I'm assuming most of you are not playing that far in, but I'm going to talk about some mistakes that some people can make each year that need to be paid attention to for most years as well as this year. So my number one thing, first and foremost, is do not overthink your starters. I want you guys to play the guys who got you there. And if you see the thumbnail here, we got a picture of Russell Wilson up here along with Taysom Hill. Point being, guys, Taysom Hill now came along here late in the season to become a starting quarterback for the Saints. His projection is actually above Russell Wilson's right now for this current week. I'm saying they're going against the Buccaneers. Don't trust stuff like that. If you drafted Russell Wilson, go with the guy that got you there. I know you missed a few games this season, but he's the quarterback that you want to trust and put your faith into going to the playoffs. You know how stupid you're going to feel 
if you lose your fantasy game because you benched Russell Wilson over Taysom Hill, I mean, just 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 go with the guy who got the got got you there, and don't overthink anything like that. So, you guys have anything to branch off with that? No, that's actually was the biggest thing that I took away. So, mm-hmm. <clears throat> as I enter my week round of the playoffs, right as I entered that, is I, I'm not trying to overthink this week. Is play the guys that are healthy, right, and play the guys that are your starters. DeAndre Swift should be back this week. Play him. Cook should be back. I got Harris, right? I'm not going to overthink this Harris-Stevenson situation. Harris has been consistent week in, week out. You got to play the guys, right? You got to play the guys you traded for as well. That's another thing. You made big moves for these guys for a reason. Play them. Play them. There's reasons you made these moves. Yeah, absolutely. Anything branch off of that one? Yeah, I'll throw out a little bit here. You know, as far as playing the guy that got you there, guess what? My team sucks, so nobody got me there. But at the same time... (laughs) If I'm playing in that consolation bracket and I've got Kyler Murray on my team, which I do, I'm not going to bench him. Like, I understand he's coming off an injury through two interceptions last week. I'm not going to overreact to that. So, he's playing Detroit this week. You're going to start Kyler Murray every single week, you know, and and just don't worry about it. Don't overthink those those types of things. Yeah, absolutely. My number two right here is check for your injured players this week because going into week 15, which is going to be your first uh, playoff game of the season coming up, you want to see if they practiced on Wednesday and Thursday. If they did not practice on Wednesday and Thursday, say you have a Darren Waller of the world on your roster, and then Friday comes along, maybe they have a limited participation, try to avoid those guys. Start thinking about what you're going to do to replace them in your lineup because those guys are going to be on a snap count come, come game day. And you want to have a replacement in mind. Maybe it is the, uh, you know, Frank Moreau or Foster Moreau kind of situation where you just want to plug in the backup. Or maybe there's a Gerald Everett on the waiver wire where you want to have faith in plugging him in. But either way, I suggest kind of like with DeAndre Hopkins throughout the back end of this season where he's been hobbled here towards the last few games, playing him was going to be a mistake because looking at a guy who's only getting maybe two or three targets per game and was touchdown dependent and is not going to be playing a full snap count. You want to have guys on your roster for the playoffs you can rely on to be in there each and every week and each and every play as well. So think about that. Check your injured players. Make sure that they're practicing throughout the week, at least limited Wednesday and Thursday. That's another thing, too. Like With those injured players, and this is potentially for like more DFS stuff, too, but it also plays in like week-to-week. But Kind of like last week with the Chargers, knowing Keenan Allen's out. Mike Williams is probably owned somewhere, but like finding like a Jalen Guyton could go really mm-hmm. long way. Yes. Because yeah. you know those targets on the underneath routes have to come from somewhere. Exactly. And like that's the plug and play for DeAndre Hopkins. Yep, exactly. And Guyton ended up getting a good, good touchdown last week, as a matter of fact. So yeah, he was a great plug and play in that situation. Any guys, any branch off on the injured portion here? No, with injured players, you just that you should be doing what you should have been doing like all of the years leading up to this. Not just because it's a COVID year and you want to have guys on your bench. You should have been doing this every single year. Like you should have been building your bench, looking at that waiver wire every single week, and just building some depth on that bench. And this year, because of COVID, it's more important than ever. So. If you haven't been building your bench and monitoring that waiver wire and now all of a sudden you're in the playoffs, you, you might be having some problems because these guys are falling like flies in terms of COVID. And, um, you know, that's that's too bad for you if you didn't try to build your bench throughout the course of the year. That's why I didn't make the playoffs, because instead of building my bench, I picked up all the guys that were hurt 
mm-hmm. that people dropped, like Chris Carson. I picked him up, and like I picked up all these guys that were hurt and put on IR. Like, oh, I'm going to have these guys ready to go mm-hmm. second half of the regular right. season. <laughs> nope. Yep. No, I'm just gonna have a benchful. <laughs> I wasted guys. a pick on Michael Thomas this year, and you didn't play at all. So. I did that too, but I traded him in week one. Okay, so. you got good good value yeah. then, I guess. No, no, and I mean, you nailed it on the head, Jason. So this one right here coming you up. On the head. Yeah, for me, this third one here is very similar to the last one, but it's don't get caught with the vid. That's right, the COVID is what we're talking about. Have your handcuffs ready on your bench in case of a surprise test that comes up. So you know, if you're running into a situation. You're not concerned about your bench anymore. You're all about the starting, you know, seven, eight guys on your roster right now. And so don't worry about building a deep bench to worry about bye weeks. Bye weeks are done, you guys. Right That's now right. we're going to win now. Go all in, push all your chips in, and be willing to pick up the backups that you need and handcuff guys just in case of a positive COVID test. Because right. right now at the NFL, it's really up in the air with who's going to play, who's not. Obviously, we just saw 75 players, I think, in the last two or three days yep. uh, test positive. So. Yep. Uh, something to be wary of and think about. I think um, we're in the 80s now. Because sure I think uh, Washington just had eight more people, gross to 18 people. 18 so eight, players. eight more addition today. Yeah, totally so, nuts. If you have a person <clears throat> wins on your waiver wire, go pick him up. He's got the two worst teams in the league next two weeks. There you go. Yeah. Perfect. There you go. Yeah. Good good plug in, you know, yeah. just to have at least as a backup yeah. for it, the next couple it, weeks. And it's amazing, too. Like, it, if, if your league is kind of not dependent on handcuffs go out and look go go scout go go look at the waiver wire because those are dependable that waiver wire got me through the last three weeks to get me into the playoffs today i had madison i had uh williams right for swift and cook went down i had a few guys i had to use off of there so go look go scout and keep them on your bench they're gonna be useful yep uh my fourth one you guys on my list is don't be afraid to look ahead to week 17 Week 17, yes. assuming is your championship weekend, that is the most important day of the whole fantasy season, right? So what I mean, what I mean by that is make sure you check out and see what is available coming up for the matchups week 17. What kind of defenses are out there? You know, who's playing who? And make sure you're lined up properly week 16, 17 defensively. You know, if you've got a certain defense, but you have a tough matchup week 16, 17, you're going to end up screwing yourself. You know, make sure you're checking and make sure you're evaluating long term over the course of your playoffs, as well as you know, for the current week at the same time. Correct. And go out, and we have IDPs in our league, right? So go out and get an extra IDP. Sit him on there because he might have a good matchup later on. Um, I did that this week. Uh, you know, it's just looking ahead because if you're not playing for first, you're, you're probably playing for third. Mm-hmm. So you got to think about that too. Third place has some cash value normally in most leagues. Yep. Yeah, in terms of defenses, I mean, if you're, if you're going to be a contender – you should have been looking at that back in week 12, mm-hmm. week 11, right. and just kind of anticipating, okay, these are two or three defenses that I might want leading up to the playoffs and the championship game. And if one of those defenses starts to drop or a couple of them start to drop, you might want to go ahead and pick another one up just to make sure that you're locked in for weeks 17, 16, 15, and then there. I, I made a trade this year back in, I think, week 10 for the Saints defense. And the reason being because I was looking ahead to week 17, they're playing against the Carolina Panthers. And that's a beaten up Panthers team, and I like the Saints defense this year. So, I mean, you just want to look ahead pretty much at all times, but also be able to play it week to week at the same time. So yep. this is a good time. If the Saints defense is out there in your league, I suggest adding them because they got not only Carolina, but Miami as well in week 16. So another sure. thing to think in mind, sure. in mind on that one too. So. And that's the thing, looking at week 17, like the, just the schedule itself, 
you know, like Bills Falcons, like that could be a mm-hmm. Gabe, Gabe Davis game. Chiefs exactly. Broncos. Yep. No, Chiefs Bengals this week. Week 17. Oh, week 17, yeah. my bad. Uh, looking at uh, Raiders Colts, like uh-huh. Zach Pascal, like right. those kind of guys could come into play. Eagles football team, Buccaneers Jets. There's a ton yep. of matchups there. Lions, Seahawks, like one of those Seahawks running backs that could be there. Mm-hmm. He's probably going to get mm-hmm. a lot of touches. Yeah, absolutely. So make sure you're just loaded up for week 17 and be willing to look ahead as well as make sure you're just lined up and prepared for this week as well. So that's the main things. Jason, you have a couple more to add to the list here? I do. So when we're talking about the top mistakes that managers make, especially leading into the playoffs, my number five mistake that you can possibly make is being afraid to bench a player because you used a high draft pick on him. So my example of this would be Aaron Jones of the Packers. So A.J. Dillon had 15 touches last week. Aaron Jones had two touchdowns, but only eight touches. And so he's Aaron Jones is coming off an MCL sprain. So that's something where you want to monitor the situation. And, you know, we all know that the Packers are a contender. Yeah. Might make it to the Super Bowl. Do you really think that they're going to risk uh, Aaron Jones getting a lot of touches or out touching AJ Dillon? Probably not. So for the rest of the the regular season or in your fantasy playoffs, you know, you got to have your handcuffs ready and don't be afraid to bench a guy like Aaron Jones. Just, just monitor how much he's practicing. And if he's being limited a lot, or if he gets banged up, Possibly in the next game, then look towards that next game and yeah. say, okay, he got banged up. They might just give A.J. Dillon the entire load on this next round. And then for my last one, we got to talk about backup quarterbacks because I'm notorious in our league <laughs> for just not caring. I don't care about backup quarterbacks. If I draft a stud like I did with Kyler Murray, I don't care about backups except for the bye week. I don't think I have a backup week. either. Right? But it, this, this year is completely different. So – Anybody can be benched at any given moment due to COVID-19. So if that's the case, you're a contender in your league, you might want to have a backup quarterback. I don't care if it's Derek Carr or whoever the hell you want to throw in there. You might want to have somebody on deck just as a backup plan. That's true. That's very true. Yeah, Carson Wentz is a good option. I agree with that if he's out there and available in your league. We do have a quick, uh, before we move on to the DFS real quick, uh, Grinchy69 just mentioned here, are the Chiefs the greatest uh, one-year dynasty of all time? I'm not sure what he means by that. I'm trying to put that in perspective. But that, that sounds like a Raiders fan, that, actually. No. Is that an insult? <laughs> that might that, be an I insult. I think that's my buddy from Arizona. Uh, he's a Birds fan. He just likes to get me gotcha. trouble. Well, if he's in Arizona, what? he's probably actually a Raiders fan, too, then. That's no, not... no, he's, he's a Cardinals fan through and through. So. All right. <laughs> I see. If that's the case, the Cardinals are working on their own one-year dynasty. So oh, yeah, They worked on a, a 12-week dynasty this year. Yeah. So. <laughs> 12-week dynasty. <laughs> yeah. Interesting comment, though. I, I like it, though. Uh, as far as DFS, anything particular you want to bring up, you guys, uh, before we move along to the Chiefs topic? Um, you know, this week in particular, I have week 17 pulled up. What are we on this week? 15? 15. 15. Um, looking at week 15 just tomorrow, like if you play showdowns or whatnot, like with the Chiefs injuries, Eckler becomes a huge value. And honestly, um, like a Jared Cook, or Donald Pardo Jr. becomes a huge value, too. Like, usually in DFS on the showdowns, the single mm-hmm. games, the tight ends are massive winners. Um, so if you can get, like, a Donald Pardo, he's probably going to get a touchdown on two targets. Um, 
probably a great pick, but I'd, I'd spend up for Eckler. Other than that, like your Cardinals guys, like the AJ Green's probably going to be a great yeah. pick this year against the Lions or this week against the Lions. Um, granted, I said that last week about Jerry Judy, and Jerry Judy couldn't be a practice squatter. Um, but AJ Green also, you've seen more targets as the year has gone on as well. So they've, they've gotten to where they trust him quite a bit. Yeah, and then I, I would attack uh, Dante Foreman, uh, Titans running back against the Steelers as well. We saw what Donald Cook did to them. Yep. Steelers defense is kind of a nightmare. Uh, sneaky pick, Jimmy G against the Falcons. Okay, uh, I can see that. With some George Kittle. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great sneaky pick. Kittle with uh, two weeks in a row with, I think, 20-plus points. Yeah. Well, the first week was no Debo. Um, That's right. So that goes a long way. But but he had Debo last week and still put up a monster game. Yeah. Yeah. My, my last guy I would I would take a shot at is um, I'm going to take a shot at DK Metcalf. Okay. Is he is Rams. he due to start making some plays? Because that's well, what I'm hoping for. The thing is, they're playing the Rams and the Rams like defense. Like you think this awesome, amazing defense. In reality, their secondary is not good. Right. They got names. They got talent, but they don't always put it all together. No, and they never had. Like, they're an easy pick if you want to get lower ownership. You go against the Rams. <laughs> yeah. Whatever the top guy is. Your choice between DK and Met- or Lockett, whatever you want. Yeah. Your boy Grinchy, by the way, said no more D-Hop. Don't sleep on Kirk. Which Hey, Christian Kirk's awesome. I'm a big fan of that guy. He's a, just a wonderful player. He's been talking about Christian Kirk for three years. Yeah, no. Christian Kirk fan, I know. Yeah, he's awesome. Christian Kirk, he can even throw. I mean, he can do everything, right? <laughs> and he's healthy. So... <laughs> Going in, you know, this weekend, too, guys, just keep an eye out on all this COVID stuff going on here. Monday, you had 36, all positive. Tuesday, you had 29. 28 of those were positive. Wednesday, today, there was 31 cases. 30 of those came out officially positive. And we're, we're not even to Thursday yet, guys. It's it's insane this week as we enter playoffs for fantasy, but let alone DFS as you continue on just kind of focusing on the NFL. Um, so it's just something to watch out for. Uh, you could get some steals, like Connor said, uh, going in. But, yeah, just just pay attention, guys. It's, it's going to be kind of crazy. These uh, <laughs> inactive lists could be crazy come Sunday. And that's the thing is it's not even as bad as what's happening in the NBA. The NBA is <clears> 10 <throat> times worse. Yeah. And, and the yeah. NHL is moving, canceling games. I haven't seen the NHL. Like, the NBA canceled two Bulls games. Yeah, they canceled the Bulls game. And yeah. last night the Nets were playing with eight guys. Like, they had – Three guy or two guys in the starting lineup who had played like three games in the NBA, and David Duke was their starting point guard, who mm-hmm. I, I heard went to Providence on a show yesterday. Never heard his name before, and he was the third highest scorer I think in NBA DFS last night <laughs> at like fifteen percent ownership. Like it was crazy. All right, I mean that works then. DFS king over here, Mr. Cedaws. Yeah, going back <laughs> to your point, though, Connor, about Austin Eckler, I would be a little bit careful in this situation just because he has been limited this week in practice and the coach uh, Brandon Staley is saying that he is going to be a game time decision because that ankle is sore. So when you're going into a game against the chiefs, which you already know, that's a revenge game. My concern for Austin Eckler owners would be, is this game going to get out of hand? I know the chiefs all, they also have players missing, but if this game gets out of hand early, um, is that is that a risk that you want to take by starting Austin oh. Eckler? If he's not 100% healthy, may, I mean, if the game turns into a blowout, he may not even play more than the first half. But we've, we've seen Eckler to be a third down back as well, and he, he, he caught 90 passes one year. And so he's a great receiving back. So if they're down, he's going to be the check down king, and he's going to be catching you know six, seven passes in this game. So 
that alone, if you're in PPR, is worth it. So I would still roll with Eckler on that. DFS scenario, if Eckler's playing, he's in my lineup. You're going to put him in. Yeah, you have no other choice. Nobody's going to be able to cover him. Like, no, it's really ben Anthony Hitchens be won't. Ben Neiman's not going to do it. Um, <laughs> like, Nick Bolton's going to be worried about stopping the run more, I think. But so that's kind of what I'm thinking. What that. I would do though, if if I was in the scenario where Eckler was out, I would probably go straight to Keenan Allen um, in DFS lineups. If Eckler's out, I imagine the Chiefs will probably blitz a ton more, which opens up the underneath routes. So that makes sense. Is, Keenan Allen City. So I would imagine like Keenan Allen goes from eight catches to probably twelve tech catches. Yeah. Like and even if it's just eight to twelve targets, like that's worth it to me to put him in an MVP or a captain spot on DraftKings. Totally agree with that. All right, Tanner, sounds like we're starting to talk Chiefs. Maybe we should talk Chiefs. All right, here we go. Jordan? Is that, oh, is that MJ? That was the, that was the MJ face on the Raiders player in the middle of the Arrowhead field. Too bad he's only the 10th the best player in NBA history. You shouldn't have put that on great, there. Great, right. great example of how the Raiders felt, though. It was, it was the sad, crying Jordan days for the Las Vegas Raiders this past weekend. So, uh, great beatdown, though. 48 to 9. Uh, I enjoyed it. I was at the game, the girlfriend's first Chiefs game, as a matter of fact. So, she had a great time. Um, and overall, I mean, the first play of the game, gosh, I, right away, it was just, I, you know, Chazen told me earlier it was boring. And I don't know, being at the game wasn't boring. It was fun. But I don't know I get, if it was boring. He said it was boring. I don't no, know. I'm just I thought saying, it was if you, if you watch it I on no TV, mercy. I mean, like, the second half was just okay. Yeah, I guess I guess that could be true because at that point they were just kind of going through the motions. I was just, I was just waiting for it, like, as I'm watching at home, like, all right, where's, where's the next turnover? Are we in the interception? Are we going to get another fumble or what? In the second right. half, you're basically playing the Jacksonville Jaguars and Urban Meyer. That's, that's the way I saw it. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about Urban Meyer in a bit. I, I had the Chiefs defense in DFS, so they won me some oh. money this weekend. So. Yeah, very nice. Very nice. Good pickup on that one for sure. Uh, I don't I don't know. Would you guys have any thoughts about the game? Anything stood out that you think is something worthy of talking about that we didn't already know? I just think it's amazing that the addition of Melvin Ingram – and moving Chris Jones inside oh, yeah. has done so much. And what drives me nuts, and I said this to my dad in the game during the game Sunday, is the fact that we could have got Melvin Ingram mm-hmm. before the season even started. He yeah. was in Kansas City. Right. He was he here for there. a visit. Like this, A lot of this could have been avoided, and we would have had avoided Chris Jones being on the end. And obviously, Frank Clark being healthy helps a ton. Um, but like Frank Clark being healthy and like solid, Chris Jones in the middle, and then Melvin Ingram's, I think it's – I think the tapes sold themselves that Chris Jones was going to work out on the outside. I think they had, they had bought into their own idea that CJ was going to work out as a DN. And when it wasn't working out, they were like, okay, we need to fix this quickly. We need to find a way to move him back inside. And they did it after, what, week six or yeah. week five or six? They, they quick they figured it out. We all – it was pretty now, obvious. And you and I, we've talked about this after a show or, you know, or two. And what other team can, after a season, go into the Super Bowl – Granted, we lost, but would say, "Hey, we're going to do something different. We're going to move this guy outside. We're going to move this guy inside. Try for you know get Reed, and we're just going to do something funky, right? We're going to do something weird, and we're going to hang on to it for five weeks and just get trashed on, and then say, oh, wait, never mind. All right, all right, we're going to make these moves. And all of a sudden, now you go from last to first. Well, I think they thought they had enough depth on the interior or the D line that that yeah. was going to work out by by making that switch." And we found out pretty quickly that guys were getting shoved around. Jerron Reed wouldn't do his what job. What other like Super Bowl contending team who just came from a Super Bowl is going to go out and just completely try to revamp 
a line or to do something crazy like that. Not a lot of teams. Crazy though, like I, yeah. I really don't think it was that crazy. Like, I I don't necessarily think the first five or six weeks or whatever it was where the Chiefs' defense was horrendous was necessarily on the line. Like, yeah, they weren't getting any pass rush, but also like all four of us could have caught passes against the Chiefs' defense or could have ran the ball for a hundred yards against the Chiefs' defense. So I don't know if it was all that. But you know, to your point about Ingram, at least. It allowed the Chiefs flexibility within that D-line. We saw against the Raiders uh, how much pressure they were to get with the front four. They weren't even needing to blitz, you know, that often to get pressure. They were getting pressure regardless with Chris Jones, with Melvin Ingram coming off the edge. Even Alex Okafor came along and gave him a big old ass whooping, you know, taking down Derek Carr, forcing a fumble on that play as well. And so they were just getting pressure. And this has all been because I think the attitude Ingram brings, he's not soft by any means. No, he's not. I mean, the the guy's a grown-ass man, and you can tell by the way he plays. And so I think he brought some attitude to the D-line that, you know, they're feeling the energy now along that way because they feel confident now. They feel confident in the abilities of the whole thing now, the way it's constructed. Willie Gay coming back, obviously, from his injury early on in the season, helped a ton, got this ener- this defense energized as well. And then, of course, the obvious one, the switch out from putting Sorensen on the bench while Thornhill took over the starting role um, was a big impact on getting the defense turned around. But, you know, over- other- otherwise, like, I feel like this this game was – pretty nothing like stood out to me like it was a game where some Raiders did Raiders things Raiders yeah. went out there turned the ball over and Derek Carr did the same thing he always does against the Chiefs you know shit the bed and so it's nothing new Chiefs just took advantage of all their mistakes and the offense Mahomes went 20 of 24 300 yards right somewhere or maybe not 300 maybe it was close 280. to 280 um and it just played efficient football you know and we, we made plays down the field when they were there um but overall it was just a well-rounded Chiefs game but the yeah. Raiders are are the Raiders. The Raiders at the end of the day are just not a good quality opponent. I know they went out and beat the Cowboys, but you know, that doesn't mean anything really. The Broncos did the same thing. You know, so I think that walking into the Chargers matchup here is going to be much more difficult because you have a quality quarterback. Justin Herbert is a, you know, certified, I'd say top seven quarterback in the league, maybe even top five. Um even though their defense has issues, I think offensively they can hang with the Chiefs anytime. Yeah. And so that's going to be the thing to watch for me. Chiefs defense right now does rank sixth in the NFL in points per game, and that's over the course of the whole season. So that's taking into account even the first six weeks of the season. So it's amazing the progress they've taken. But obviously right now we're walking into a week with the COVID issue coming out. Uh, walking into a week where Willie Gay Jr. will not play this game because of a uh, you know some kind of COVID protocol. Um, and as well as we're going to be missing out on Chris Jones this week. He's going to be out. And uh, – Andrew Wiley's going to miss this game as well. So uh, take that into consideration for this game. But on the other end, Chargers have Rashawn Slater. Their rookie left tackle is going to be out for He's this game. So um, one of their best players that they've, they've drafted this past season. So uh, with this game, you guys, um, what are the Chiefs going to do to make up for the lack of players? Because I do think in the passing game it's going to be hard underneath yeah. without and, and, Willie Gay. And don't, for, don't forget Sneed's out too. And well, of course, LeJarrius Sneed yes. is, is going to miss another game. Um, just coming back just a couple days ago. And, Josh Gordon, yeah, right. Josh yeah. Gordon's not going to play. He's not much of an impact anyway. Hey, you got a touchdown. Right. Okay. Yeah, I don't, Can we get a pump here? You got two two catches in the game. Yeah, he ran one yard for a touchdown and got yeah. a great pick. They, desi- they designed a screen pass at the one yard line. <laughs> that for was him. a field good touchdown. It was. It was a field good. It was. Touchdown. It's like let's get your morale up a little bit, Josh. No, yeah, Josh Gordon is just inching his way a little bit closer back to that superstar status that he had a few years back. He was a catch man. Oh. <laughs> His first touchdowns in 2019, so, you know, 
at least as far as we know anyway, is uh, staying clear of all the, the green, if you know what I'm talking about. So. Well, the green actually cures COVID, so maybe he should do a little oh. bit more of that, right? Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's what he needs. Either that or he's passing around so many joints, but a little mouth-to-mouth contact. Uh, all right, guys. Well, anyways, uh, give me your thoughts on the game coming up. I want to hear some of your perspectives on the Chiefs-Chargers game. Yeah, for me, it's all about the turnover. So, obviously, the Chiefs' defense is on fire right now. So we want to continue that. We want to continue to force turnovers. Obviously, this is a revenge game like we talked about earlier. Uh, but also with the Chiefs offense, just don't turn the ball over. Like that, to me, that's the whole game. If you can force a couple of turnovers and not turn the ball over, like that seals the game for me. You look at the Chargers, they're a very inconsistent team so far this year. So they've won two games in a row. A lot of people would say, oh, they're due for a letdown. But the one guy who has been consistent the entire year is Justin Herbert. So you still have to account for him. Um, Chiefs have a, a great chance to win this game. But again, you've got to limit those turnovers and then you got to force some turnovers on the other end. Yeah, I'm, I'm right for you. Don't turn the ball over. Be the ones to make it happen, right? Do exactly what we've been doing the last three, four weeks. Is You can't say anything better. But I mean, I'm, I'm concerned about Herbert in this game because he is – one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the league. He's smart. Tyron Matthew had a comment this week, as a matter of fact, about him, about how basically, you know, he's one of the, the best athletic quarterbacks in the league. And really, he's just, he's awesome. You know, basically, he was high praise. Yeah. And he's going to take Herbert. off too, right? You, mm-hmm. you saw it in the Pittsburgh game. You saw it uh, against the Giant, Giants game last week. He takes off for those those first downs. He also, further. did you see a 65? It was from the time he let yeah, the ball go to the end zone. It was a 65 yard throw yeah. to the end zone Which in, this, in this previous game. And so I, that's Mahomes type stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And Herbert's right up there with Mahomes arm strength wise. So, I mean, the guy can beat you deep, you know, underneath Eckler, whatever the case may be, Justin Jackson, whatever, whoever's out there. And uh, that's what I'm concerned about is that he's a smart quarterback. His first game ever against the Chiefs was his obviously his rookie year coming in for Tyrod Taylor week one yeah. last season. And he almost beat the Chiefs then in his first game ever. And so I think that he's matured a lot so even since then. And, uh, you know, I just want to see what the Chiefs defense can do to slow them down from the linebackers perspective, because Bolton's still going to be there. Hitchens is going to be there. But I could see some mismatches happening in this game. It's almost like you're playing like teams play against Mahomes. You don't want to get off the field without scoring. Right. Right. It's how it's going to be. Yeah. And how it is with the Chargers as of late. You don't want to get off the field without scoring. If you don't score, you're in trouble because Herbert could probably will most likely turn around and do something. Yeah, Chiefs uh, offense is going to need to come to play. I'm also kind of interested in this Chiefs defense playing against a, a Chargers team that has been, for the most part, consistent, right? A good quarterback, a pretty you know, a pretty decent running game when Eckler's in there. Keenan Allen, right? Mike Williams, when he decides to play, he, he seems to be pretty inconsistent lately. But it's, it's going to be kind of interesting to see how that all comes together for a Chiefs defense that's playing so well. How are we going to turn around and play against now a Chargers team that is in the mix of, you know, taking over this division from us? Yeah, this game might be for the division. I think the Chargers have an easy schedule coming up after this game. Yeah. So, And I said I said these from our bye, I said these next three games are for the division, mm-hmm. and this is our third game here. We got to take care of the third game. If we take care of the third game, I think we're free. And the number one seed is still available. It's, so keep that in mind as well. Out. 
I think Justin Herbert is going to torch the Chiefs defense tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. no I'm a little concerned <laughs> myself. I'm, I'm, I'm not going that far. So, right. Chris Jones, yeah. Justin Herbert is going to torch the Chiefs defense yeah. tomorrow. So, right quick. Before we move on, <laughs> since you guys, all four of us, basically have a hard-on for Justin Herbert, who will have the better career, Justin Herbert or Patrick Mahomes? <laughs> now we're looking really far ahead. but I, I'm not going to lie. No. I do have a hard-on for Herbert, but I'm, I'm going to say Mahomes will have yeah. the better career. Oh, i got to go Mahomes. My heart says Mahomes. wouldn't be shocked if it's Herbert because I love Brandon Staley, and he's about 30 years younger than Andy, Andy Reid. All right. Pat's going to still be playing great football even after Andy, though. I agree, but – if Brandon Staley is going to be a thing, and like, and then I, I, I am a huge fan of Brandon Staley just from a coaching aspect. Like, Herbert is unbelievable. Brandon Staley is unbelievable. Like, that has a lot more years of longevity inside of it than Andy Reid, Mahomes, and quite frankly, like, I'm also not a huge Brett Beach guy, um, and I think the Chargers do a better job of drafting. So is yeah. there a way that we could just fire Andy Reid and hire Brandon Staley, and that <laughs> no. will fix the problem? I don't think that will fix do that. the problem, right? Um, You're in about like ten years, six, ten, okay. six years, five, six years. Yeah. Like, when Andy's you, really struggling to work up and down the sideline. Like, maybe Staley has some emails that haven't been found out. My, about my yet. gut, I'm going to go with my gut, which is Mahomes. So we're going to wait until Andy Reid starts wobbling around like "Let's go, Brandon," and then we're going to replace him, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, I'm on board with that, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I love Brandon Staley, and I, I really am a huge fan of Herbert, too. Yeah. Okay, can I, before before we, I, I want to really want to know, why do you think Herbert's going to torch the defense, that secondary? No Sneed, mm-hmm. no Willie Gay, no Chris Jones, no pressure, no secondary. Sounds like Daniel Sorensen trying to cover Mike Williams deep, and sounds like Ben Neiman trying to cover Keenan Allen underneath. Oh, uh, yeah. And, yeah. I think Connor's point here is that the number one guy in your front four out, number one guy in your front or your so, second level is out, and then Lajarius needs a top two on so, your so you're seeing, back end. So you're seeing basically a tight end either on Ingram or Clark at all times, essentially. So you're not going to see those guys get free. No, I, I think Jared Cook's going to get free too. Jared Cook's in my DFS. So you don't see Clark or Ingram making an impact. Not against a tight end. No, like – on the pass rush, no, without Jones, not at all. But this isn't going to be a game you think that exposes the Chiefs' defense once again. Do you think? Because like, once everything comes back to normal and Chris Jones is back and Willie Gay is back in a week, um, and, and Snead, of course, we're going to get back to be, being literally the number one defense in the league again. Yes, like, just just it, for this one week, it's like, going to fall apart. Yeah, I do. Like <laughs> okay. again, like you said, we're missing our best player up front. We're missing our best corner. Mm-hmm. We're missing one of our best linebackers. Right. Like. Uh, I don't know. You're losing three of your best oh, players. Things don't work pretty well. Do we hear no, anything more on Fenton? Is he out? Yeah, uh, I Fenton, didn't know Fenton was Fenton. out. Like, I didn't yeah. see is he out? In the injury report. I think Fenton's going to be back. Is he back? I, I didn't see him on the injury report. So. Yeah, but Fenton's back. The thing is, like, I, again, I, I, I'm looking at this similar to the Nets. Okay, The Nets yesterday lost Harden. The Nets yesterday lost LaMarcus Aldridge. They lost their best bench players. Like, Here's the thing. is Tyron Matthew is not – KD, okay? Tyron Matthews pretty good, but he's not KD. Like, I still, I don't know what that line is tomorrow for over, like for the for the Chiefs game, but I'm taking the over. Chiefs like, are favored by three, but I'm not sure the I'm over. I'm taking under, the Chargers but... to cover that, and I'm taking the over. Gotcha. Yeah, and I, I, I understand your thinking there, Connor, but 
I kind of compare this to the Rams versus Arizona game where everybody was just like, oh my gosh, you know, Arizona's at home. There's no Tyler Higby, no Jalen Ramsey. The, the Cardinals are just going to run away with this game. And I feel like it's a similar situation where like the Chiefs, oh my gosh, like they're missing so many guys. But then if, if you're going to bet on that game, everybody's going to be betting on the Chargers. And then all of a sudden it's just going to go the other way because it's just going to be... So, somebody's going to overcompensate for that somewhere. I had Rams in that game, for the record. You did have – well, I did too. <laughs> but I had the Rams. I didn't know Ramsey was out, though, when I oh, took the Rams. I still would have taken them. Uh, over-under is 52. 52. Over. over. Yeah. I, I think it's going to need to be the over. I think if, if it's an under, then the Chiefs lose. Because the Chiefs offense is going to need to come to show up. And so the Chiefs offense needs to come, you know, put up 31 points in this game, in my opinion. For them to win, if they put up only you know twenty, then Chargers win this game. Is the way I'm thinking of this right now. So. My my prediction is that there's going to be a last minute addition to the COVID list, and that will be none other than the great Joey Bosa will be added right at the end, <laughs> and then the Chiefs are just going to like go. Did you guys like do whatever they do? His you know? tea bag sack celebration the other day. <laughs> yeah. He got a sack the other day, and he did a tea bag celebration, but the referees were too stupid to even know what he was doing, so they didn't flag him. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I think the referees saw it, like on on the field, but like they were dumb to know what he was doing, and so like they're like, oh, just he's just dancing. No, he was doing a tea bag celebration. <laughs> I will say though, Joey Bosa ends up on the COVID list for some reason, and he's out. You still take the Chargers? Still probably taking the Chargers. Wow! And, and I'm probably gonna throw either Clyde or Daryl Williams into my DFS lineups. But I'm not sure who. I'm more likely to put Daryl Williams in yeah. there because wow. he runs the outside. Yeah, Daryl's a better pass catcher, too. Yeah, I was going to say he's more in the, in the passing game. Okay, Connor gave us his prediction. We're going to do TikToks here later on for you guys that follow us out there. Give us a follow on TikTok at Sports Buffoons. I'm not going to give you so, a prediction on TikTok. So, for me, guys, I think the Chiefs pulled this out. It's going to be close. I think it's a, I think it's a Butker field goal. Butker field goal. All right. Well, should we spill the beans now or later, Jason? No, you guys no, got to do it on TikTok. You guys got to do it on TikTok. All I know is if, if you're betting with Connor, just bet the Chargers to cover all day long. And, and that's the thing is I think the Chiefs do win, but I am betting the Chargers to cover. Ooh, okay. Wow. Very nice. I think it's going to be that close. I like, wow. how you, I like how you did that there. I, I think it wants to be that close. Very nice. Yeah. I could see that. There was actually a time, I don't know if it still holds true now, but the Chiefs and Chargers had the most one-point differential victories between any two teams in history of the NFL. And this, this is a stat I saw maybe 10 years ago that stuck in my mind forever. But apparently we've always played the Chargers close historically. It's always been like a one-point, two-point kind of a game. And they, they've been some of my favorite opponent games I've ever seen. Remember the Halloween game from 2011, I believe? Remember the game? Oh, the fireworks game? I think it was the same day. I was there, dude. That, that the was went off and Rivers muffed the snap. And then is recovered by Andy Studebaker, as a matter of fact, Studebaker. was who recovered that fumble in that game. So I, I was at that game. That was probably like and my favorite game of all time. Do you guys remember the Ajera 2-2 game? We were at that game, Tanner, I believe. It was ice cold that game, but it was the last play of the game. Sean Smith got beat in the yes. end zone. By yes. Ajera Tutu and like 20. The, the game 13. winning drive all the yeah. way down. Rivers threw like a 40 yard pass. Timeout. Okay. So the fact that you said you went to a game with him, I don't know if you guys know or not, but Bubba has a historically bad record attending Arrowhead. True. Yeah. I mean, true. one of the worst records in football history attending. Like, he's basically the Jacksonville Jaguars yeah. of fans. Yeah. Like, I mean, absolutely horrendous. And also the fact that, like, 
the Chiefs and Chargers have that many one-point games. That's also like Chase Daniel played like a significant amount of Charger games in week 16. Yeah, that's true. For a while, so <laughs> take yeah. that into account too. Yeah. I, I only have three wins in the games I've gone to, and that's against Oakland and Denver, the Titans, the Chargers, uh, Tampa Bay. There's others. Just absolutely, we've all pathetic. lost every well, time I've gone. Tanner went to the one you know where I was at the game too. Where I even Mariota cut his own pass, right? Yeah, yeah. Did you no, go to that no, one? That you didn't playoff, go to that one. That was a playoff game, right? You didn't go to that. No, one? I didn't okay. go. But no, there was a Titans game. It was. The freezing cold right after we had the snow here, and we were up, but the Titans were marching down, and we even left early. Like we left during that drive to get out of the stadium because I was like, "I gotta go, guys. We're we're up by like three points. I got a mm-hmm. jet." And we were walking out of the stadium. We were driving out, and Titans still won. Wow! So it's still counting. So even when he there. leaves the stadium, just don't buy a ticket, Tanner. Seriously, like like I will not take him to games. Like I've gotten yeah. offers for tickets. Yeah. He's not coming. Like, because yeah. we will lose Sorry, every Tanner, single you're... time. Like, I remember where it was one time on our other brother's 21st birthday. We were playing the Colts. Super cold. Oh, God. And we got our asses kicked by the Colts. Yep, that's another one. I am over against. Well, that's all right. We'll, we, we'll, here's what I'm thinking. We're through preseason. Start going to those. Get a win in preseason. Then maybe I, you can work did. your way back in. Green the, Bay. We, we beat Green Bay. I went with that was that week was, four. That You know, it doesn't matter. Doesn't count. We don't even do week four anymore in preseason. So look at that. Even you, you lost yeah. to week four. Week you, four got ruined because of you. Killed week four of the preseason. So That's we don't even have that anymore. I, I'm, oh. good. I'm good in KU, though. I'm 1 0. You know what reminds me of Tanner? You're fired from going to Chiefs games. Yeah, he's so, basically, we are going to ban him from all games until he gets some random substance put into his arm. <laughs> all right. Should we hit our NFL topic of the week? Let's go. music stuff from. <laughs> it's called the internet the internet i actually okay. pulled it i pulled it out of my anus <laughs> is this on the line it's on the line there's There's different sites i can it's on the my face somewhere that i use that I, it is it is paid for stuff so like it's not like i just you know copy and done with i could have done that with a recorder yeah you could have <laughs> but you don't have one the audience Actually, loves you probably it. do with the parents' house. Yeah. Hey, before we start our NFL segment, just going to say happy birthday to our dad today. He turned 68, yeah. guys. Ooh, happy birthday, Mike. One more year to the golden year. He, he is right. my Bruce Big Arians party. lookalike. I think he yes. looks like Bruce Arians to me. <laughs> sure as hell doesn't call an offense like that. <laughs> <laughs> we would have been a lot better baseball players. If that was <laughs> okay. <laughs> But I bet he parties like Bruce Arians. I, I, we've hung out with, I've hung out with your dad a few times. Yeah, and you have. He can be a party animal. I think Bruce Arians secretly goes out to bars and oh, does yeah. an Urban Meyer every once and in I a while. And I think, uh, <laughs> uh, who was it? It was uh, somebody on Pat's show. Uh, I can't remember who came out, but he was basically saying, uh, it was Chuck. Mm-hmm. Chuck was saying that, yeah, Bruce is a, he, he's a wall guy. He comes across he's that a wall guy. for sure. <laughs> Anyone who well, wears a fedora that often, <laughs> parties. <laughs> One thing's for sure. About Bruce Arians is that he's not getting fired anytime soon. So uh, he's doing his job well, but he's also got a lot of talent. So give him give him some due diligence there. But guys, we're going to discuss now our top coaches on the block. They're going to be Black Monday casualties. And so actually, maybe even before that, for some of these guys, some of them deserve it. Um, these are our top coaches to be fired by the end of the season or even before. 
the end of the season. Number one on my list. We're going to go do a little round table here. I'm going to say the name. I want to hear if he's going to be fired or if he's going to be kept. So, Jason, I'm going to start with you. Uh, Dan Campbell of the Detroit Lions. They are 1-11 on the season. Dan Campbell. He is the coach of the Detroit Lions, which, as we all know, is a constant dumpster fire. Um, I actually like his resume from 2016 to 2020. He was an assistant under Sean Payton, so he's got some good experience there. The problem for him is, is that he was the tight ends coach back then. He was not a quarterback's coach, so it's not a situation where I expect him to fix a guy like Jared Goff, who he inherited, um, but that's not his fault. So I am actually going to keep Dan Campbell. He's only been there for one year. We're going to keep the guy because they've been also in a lot of close games. So it's not like he's not been an embarrassment. Unlike right. Pervin Liar or whoever the hell you want to throw out there. Uh, we'll, we'll get to him later on the list. So I'm going to keep Dan Campbell. Yeah, I'm going to say that. for me as well, let's go this way here. Dan Campbell, actually, I told you earlier, I lied to you. I'm keeping him. You know why? You know why I'm keeping him? <laughs> Because the team loves him. The team loves him. They're, they're there to support him. They believe in him as a coach. Mm-hmm. And despite the record, uh, they're still fighting for the, for him. That's right. And they want him to stick around. So I think, you know, obviously with, when you lack talent, it's hard to win games. They got Jared Goff, but, I mean, literally their running backs are their best receivers. And so they need to obviously do an upgrade throughout the offseason, draft better, and start getting some playmakers around the guy to give his career a second jolt once again. Because, you know, maybe he's a Tannehill kind of guy where it'll be a late bloomer kind of a situation. But Campbell needs to stick around and stay for at least one more year. Give him another shot. Uh, I want to preface everything I say here with I hate these conversations, fire and hire, <laughs> just because I work in this business. And <laughs> the job He's I also heard, a coach. <laughs> well, we're going to fire you if yeah. you're not careful with the words that you use. The job that I had had like 12 people fired in the last year. So, well, it's not necessarily. I'm not going to say fire fun. or hire. Uh, I'll just say I'm leaning against Dan Campbell. Um, And I know the players love him and stuff, and that holds a ton of value. I mean, a significant amount of value. But I watched that Thanksgiving game, and that was atrocious. (laughs) It was awful. And and that was head coach related, and he's done that several times this year, and he's made their games unwatchable. So I am – I would not be happy about Dan Campbell as my head coach if I was a Lions fan. Gotcha. I'll say that. Fair enough. Okay. I MCDC, you keep MCDC at least. Give him another freaking year. You can see the players just in their hope after the Vikings victory. Mm-hmm. Um, the Lions are going to lie in it, of course, mm-hmm. but uh, you know you, you got to do that. I mean, look at what they did the year before. They traded everybody and their mom out of town. Uh, they didn't get really much back. Right, they got rid of Stafford. So right. you got Goff, and Jason loves Goff. We know that. I, lo- I loved him on the Rams, not so much anymore. <laughs> so I'm a Goff guy too. So he is. He's still he's bad. his career's not over, but it's no, no needs to be turned around quick. But I mean, you still got a young guy that you can hopefully get something rolling here. But I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, you don't have any weapons on the outside, right? Right. So yeah. you, there's a lot of missing. So I, I'm, I'm keeping, I'm keeping MCDC. Uh, I'm not firing the, this year. We're saying one more year between the three of us, and then we're going one way, leaning the other. Jared Goff is 27 years old. Right. Like, okay. Give him an offensive mind. Mm-hmm. And like, and, and honestly, like, I don't buy the whole. 
he doesn't have players around him. It's the NFL, okay? They had a practice squad guy shut down Jerry Judy, a first-round pick last week. And I know that because it cost me a ton of money in DFS. <laughs> like, the NFL is the NFL. The, 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 the parody in the NFL is not that not that big. Like, okay. He just ain't it. Gotcha. But I will not tell you if he should be fired or not. All right. Yeah, for me, with Dan Campbell, it's like, <clears throat> like that that organization has been a dumpster fire for so long. He's got control of the locker room right now. Let it ride. All right. Next on our list, you guys, we have David Coley, former receivers coach of the Chiefs, and as well as uh, I think he played for the Chargers at one point. Um, maybe I'm thinking of somebody else, but I know he's at least had been around coaching for a while. Head coach of the Texans right now. They are two and eleven on the season. Jason, what do you think? Uh, so with David Coley, I think the biggest thing against him is that a lot of the media out there, they like to talk about how he wouldn't, he didn't want to talk about Deshaun Watson at the beginning of the season. I actually liked his handling of the Deshaun Watson situation because he tried to make it a non-issue, which obviously pisses off the media, but he was trying to focus on the players that he had to work with at the time. And so I liked his handling of that. Now, having said that, He's had some questionable decisions on the field, like declining a penalty on third down against the Browns and opting to punt. Um, so you, you want to, if you have a dumpster fire organization, like we talked about the Lions earlier, you got an organization like the Houston Texans, you got to have a coach that's going to run a tight ship. And I don't feel like David Coley is the guy that's able to do that right now, especially at 2-11. and 11. So David Coley, you're fired! Uh, Coley for me. So uh, this is actually kind of funny. Whenever he was hired, I remember a lot of fans out there were like, why isn't Eric Bainemi getting a shot and all this kind of stuff? And it's like, I mean, what? They, they just, they, they had liked David Coley more. Yeah. I mean, what can we say about the situation? I don't know. He interviewed better. I don't know. But I think that's the thing where it's his first chance as a head coach in the NFL. And I think that you, we, we discussed this before the season. The Texans had, I think, the worst roster in the league walking into the season without uh, Deshaun Watson as a quarterback, of course. And they were just destroying that organization. I mean, Bill O'Brien walked in there and ripped that damn thing to shreds. And, you know, people ended up hating him. And then people were wanting to leave. You know, J.J. Watt went to Arizona. And, you know, obviously Hopkins had been traded away a couple years prior. And so you're just destroying this whole organization. And it's hard to win when you don't have the talent. But yet they've actually picked up quite a few veterans over the course of the preseason as well as during the season – as far as trying to make things work, they're two and eleven on the season, but I'm not giving up on Coley yet. Uh, I know he is 66 years old, so that might have some kind of play later down the road. But I think he needs to have a shot with a legitimate team around him, and you know, better quarterbacking. And I don't know what's going to happen to Watson in the future, but I think Coley's not necessarily screwed this whole thing up to where he deserves to be fired yet. So I'm going to go keep uh, David Coley for me. Uh, if I were a Texans fan. I would not be happy with David Coley as my head coach. Um, and like Jason alluded to, the third down call against the Cleveland Browns, uh, good head coaches don't do that. Like To me, like that, that alone is enough to cause some serious concern whether this guy is credible to be in the position he's in. I do think he is a pro, like he's a pro's pro, um, and his team stinks, like, they're terrible, but the defense isn't that isn't terrible. Um, I would love to see somebody like Raheem Morris get another shot with a team like that. Uh, maybe a defensive-minded guy, and then as they 
draft a new quarterback because, I mean, Mills isn't the answer. Tyrod Taylor's not the answer. I would love to see, like, an offensive coordinator like a Joe Brady get a chance with uh, a drafted young quarterback as an offensive coordinator for a team like the Texans with a really solid defensive-minded coach, but that's me. I believe the Texans actually still had Eric Murray as their starting safety going into the season. So if you remember them, remember him as a Chiefs fan, that's that's not a fun one to to think about. Tanner, what do you got? So I'm not the (laughs) one to want to fire a guy after one year. I never believe in that. But in this case, Connor did allude to that to that third down call. Um, but there are multiple instances out there uh, that has concerned me throughout this team and along with roster building as well. Um, I don't think this guy's it. I, I, I agree with Connor here. You got to go a defensive minded guy. This is not it mm-hmm. at all. I, and I, I hate doing this here, but I don't believe this guy should yeah. be the Houston's coach. It's a throwaway season then for David Coley. Is what Essentially. You're so so I it sounds like three out of four. Three out of four. Uh, guys, David Coley, dude. I'm sorry, dude. Vince is angry. That's how you need to say it right there. Uh, Jason, (laughs) our favorite one on the list here, number three coming up, Urban Meyer of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He is in the news every day, it seems like, about something different here and there. Uh, Now, the most recent one I just saw today, as a matter of fact, apparently he kicked Josh Lambeau, um, the, the former kicker of the Jaguars, at some point in the preseason. And Josh Lambeau went up to him, and I'm going to paraphrase here to save my words, but, you know, don't effing kick me. And then permanently Urban Meyer said something along the lines of, you know, I'm the head ball coach. I'll kick you whenever the F I want. And so that's pretty amazing that a head coach, especially, you know, come in. I think he's got a little bit of a, a high head, high horse kind of a mentality. So uh, Jaguar is sitting at 2-11 and 11 on the season, despite the fact having the number one pick in the, in the draft. Um, guys, what's going on with Urban Meyer? You know, I love Urban Meyer, and the reason I love him is because, like, why the hell are we talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars? And, and he's the reason why we talk about them. They're 2-11. and 11. He's in the news every day. And I really can't decide if the NFL is too big for him or if he thinks in his mind that he's too big for the NFL because he's such a narcissist. He's too good to answer honest questions from the media in the press conferences. So... He basically just starts lying to them. Like he tells as many lies as he can. And for me, I love Urban Meyer because <laughs> it's, it brings a, an, a great circus show. Yeah. It's a total circus show every freaking day in the NFL and in Jacksonville. And so I love the guy because it brings entertainment value. But as a head coach in the NFL, that's too easy for me. Urban Meyer, you're fired. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think we're we're all pretty much going to agree here. But Urban Meyer, to me, is very funny to watch unfold this whole thing. It reminds me a little bit of Todd Haley at times. Basically, the narcissistic kind of approach that he has where he thinks he's hot shit. And uh, mainly because you had success at Ohio State, Urban Meyer. And it's not working out so well. <laughs> the difference is here, guys. This is what I said to Tanner actually yesterday when we were talking. Is that I think in college football, the players walk into that program and they're earning their respect of the coach. Where in the NFL, it's kind of the other way around. Coach walks in, who's unproven, and then the, he needs to earn the respect of the players. And so the respect, the players are not respecting Urban Meyer whatsoever because of his off-the-field antics as well as the way he's coaching on the field. And so they're seeing him try to run an NFL program, just like an NCAA program, same kind of thing that got Chip Kelly fired. Urban Meyer, 
you are a mess. You are a mess. Your players don't like you. And you can go out and grab hookers and dance around and get drunk all you want. I don't care. But if your players don't respect you and they don't like you, I'm sorry. It's game over, boy. You're fired. Having coached in both the college and the professional world, there is a significant difference in both of the worlds. And the and the locker room aspect is a huge part of that. Um, in the college setting, Urban Meyer is the one who hands out the scholarships. The players automatically walk in, and there is a sense of respect. In the professional league, like, that stuff is earned. And, and mm-hmm. quite frankly, Urban Meyer has done a – terrible job of earning the respect and it's crazy because like if you really dig into the things that urban did in college um with the way he built cultures and programs like there are some things within the way he's built cultures in college that are really cool and that i've taken myself um there's something he did in college it was dmgb doesn't matter get better like that that was a college mindset and that's like a mindset that i have and i've preached to players like doesn't matter whatever happens get better that only works if you are able to get the locker room to buy into it. Mm-hmm. He has not done that. Right. And in that case, like I would not be happy about Urban Meyer as my head coach if I was a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. And, gotcha. and, and it's really just culture in the locker room driven, like Jason said. Yep. I think you said what I was thinking, just in a better way, probably. So. It's just a different. It's a, it's a different level, and it's a different game. Despite yeah. what anybody wants to believe, even on but, the baseball side, like you know, you score and, runs, you got to pitch, you got to run the bases. The game is different, and the culture is different. And one thing I pointed out to Tanner yesterday too was that you know you walk into the Chiefs program, walk in the Chiefs franchise. You have Andy Reid as head coach, has proven, has been there, been around this game now in the NFL for twenty two years as a head coach, and then you know going on like thirty as a, as an actual assistant and so on. And so I yeah. think you walk into this Chiefs team right away respecting Andy Reid, and you know who you're walking up into. Or a thing like an Urban Meyer, or like I've talked about, kind of the Todd Haley kind of an idea of, like, you're trying to be like, hmm, okay, what's this guy got? You know, I don't know anything about you. I know you did great in college. That's cool. But, you know, what are you made of here? What are you going to do to have me buy into what you're trying to sell? Because I'm a veteran. I'm 28 years old, 30 years old, and I've been around this game now. I've seen great coaches. And let's see how you act when we get in the meeting rooms. And so if he's acting a certain way and that, that, you know, he's obviously deflecting a lot throughout press conferences, you know, he's blaming other other coaches and other players throughout this whole process. It's not a good look no matter what, what way you want to look at this Urban Meyer thing. And I've actually stood by it at one point, and I defended him at one point because I thought, I don't care if he goes out and has a good time and, you know, goes to bars or whatever, whatever, man. But as long as you're doing a good job as a coach, it doesn't matter to me. But well, it's everything. This is the funny thing is that when Urban Meyer was coaching in college, one of his mottos was no BCD. And it's something that I've been around and I've preached. No blaming, complaining, or defensiveness. Wow. <laughs> That's check, amazing. Check, check. <laughs> check. Wow. Like, he's done all three in just the past week. Yeah. Like, he talked in all through college to his teams, no BCD. Mm-hmm. He's BCD to everybody. Yeah. In yeah. the last week. Yeah. Like, Yep. To me, like he's lost it. And, and at some point with Urban Meyer, you have to understand, like, uh, this is like a circus show. And at some point, Urban Meyer doesn't really care. He's he's making money, and that's the only thing that matters to him. And guess what? If he loses his job, he probably doesn't care because eventually he's going to get another 
great job in college making the same amount of money that he's making at Jacksonville. And guess what the difference is? He's back in college and he can bang whoever the heck he wants. He can grind up on all these chicks in the club, which is something that he can't do in Jacksonville, which he thought he could do, but he really couldn't do it. So, you know, dude, just just get fired and go get a better job in college and you, you'll be happy. Just go to the network again. You're going to make more money than the network. Whatever. He, he doesn't care at this <clears throat> point because no. he, the media is just trashing him every day and he's making money. So he probably loves it at this point, okay. honestly. Per per sports uh, sports betting ag, um, according to the odds for the first NFL head coach to be fired, Urban Meyer is plus 175. Urban Meyer, I don't have to say anything else, guys. Yeah! Fire! What? Man, huh? Oh, yeah, dude. Fire! We thought about doing the Water Boy, but Vince McMahon's was a that little bit be better. Really good one. Water Boy was, was a yeah. good one. I didn't have time to get that clip right away. Next on the list, uh, <laughs> can we, we got three more of you guys. <laughs> All right. Next on our list, keep or get fired. We have Joe Judds of the New York Giants. Right now, four and nine on the season. Um, so he's been around now. It's, I think second year in the league, right? Yeah. So I yeah. mean, we'll see how this thing unfolds because I, I don't have anything really against the guy by any means. But at some point, you got to get it figured out and start winning games. So Jason, we think Joe Judge keep or fire? Yeah, I'm with you, Mike. I don't really have anything against him either. Um, you know, he's four and nine right now, down from uh, basically six and ten last year. So not showing too much improvement. And Generally, I'm a proponent of giving a guy three years to turn a team around. But in a market like New York, they want results sooner. And when I mean sooner, like yesterday. And that's not something that Joe Judge is giving them right now. So at some point, they're probably going to be moving on from Daniel Jones and Dave Gettleman anyway. And so it's New York, dude. So as much as I can't put anything on Joe Judge... I think the time is right, and so he is officially fired. I'm not giving up on him too that, that quickly, I should say. He's only 39 years old, coming up on 40 here at the end of the year. Um, and he started coaching uh, around the same time Connor did, as a matter of fact. He only started coaching uh, around 27 years old, as a matter of fact. So um, as far as I guess I should say Connor started earlier than that, but um, as far as at at least uh, <laughs> major colleges. Uh, I was an assistant at at Alabama in 2009, so he was obviously only 29 at that point. So uh, my point was, you guys, I think that this is a guy where I, I'm not ready to move on that quickly from Joe Judge for the Giants. I think the Giants have issues. Barkley can't stay healthy. And Daniel Jones, I, that's that's an issue there. He's regressed in a lot of ways. But I think also their, their team and their talent is an issue. I think that comes down to GM doing a better job of drafting and making better decisions as far as that goes. So – I think if they can get some better pieces involved in the program, they can be more successful. At 4-9, looking to be about the same record as last year, basically, uh, by the end of the season, I'm saying keep them around for one more year. If things fail once again going into next year and they're under 500, then you can move on. This is the one where I'll actually give you my thoughts on fire or hire. <laughs> Jason, drop it for me. No, I'm, I'm just saying. No, no, say it. Say it. You're fired. There you go. Thank you. So here's my thing with Joe Judge. Okay. And I've seen a lot of this on social media and whatnot. And the way he players practice and the way players train, it's an absolute travesty. Like he trains guys like it's 1965. He does. And Dave Gettleman 
constructs rosters like it's 1986. Like, if they could take both of them at the same time and let them go, that'd be a better move for the Giants than anything. Yeah. The thing is that that dude's got guys running laps. It's yeah. the NFL. Yeah. It was like week nine, and he's like, I read a report that he's got guys running laps. You think you're running laps because he doesn't know what to do? Yes. Like, he doesn't know what to do with the time, so he's like, just run laps. I don't know if he doesn't know what to do with the time. I don't want to make any suggestions or, like, missing context. But, like, the thing is, he's making players run laps. This is the NFL. It's it's 2021. What are we doing? Mm-hmm. Like, even in even in baseball, in baseball, we were, were very old school. That's a battle we're trying to fight as long distance running, like, and stuff like that. Because it's not very Triangles. beneficial. And just, like, general... <laughs> like skill acquisition and training and how to like prepare players for games and how to build skill development. I mean, the things that I've heard that he does, it's an absolute travesty. Like to those players on that roster and those young players on that roster, like he needs to go just for the way they practice. Does does he think that he's Bill Belichick? I mean, is that what it is? Because he's out of that coaching tree. Bill Belichick doesn't do any of that. Like Bill Belichick knows how to build skill. Like if you watch any like the the football life of Bill Belichick and all that stuff, like Bill Belichick, the way he coaches and the way he practices, like there is skill development happening, along with like the discipline aspect and like creating team culture and blah blah blah. Like Joe Judge is just like running guys. He thinks he's like a drill sergeant, basically. I mean, not necessarily. Again, I don't want to. I don't want to talk about like necessarily the context because I don't know it. I don't want to speak out of context. But more, I can see what they're doing. And it's like, this is this is horrendous. Get out of here. He's fired. He's yeah, fired. We just we just fired him right here on the show. <laughs> there was a reason why he had like what was it, like three to five players retire in the off season during off season workouts. All right, was because of this nonsense, gotcha. right? And then if you so, I, I follow a few people on Twitter um, from the Giants fan base, right, and stuff that do podcasts and stuff. And I thought they were just whining. But if you look back, like, to even more fan base, no, they have a legit reason why it's so bad. So, hmm. yes, I'm I, I'm all for it. Like, this is – it's ridiculous is what it is. If, this is not coaching. If, if I would talk to a player at the Major League level and tell them to do the things that Joe Judge <laughs> has the Giants doing – they would look at me like I was a psychopath, and like, <laughs> and they would take a broom and put it where the sun doesn't shine. Exactly. <laughs> they would tell me to get out of here. All right. So, are we all in agreement here, gentlemen and judge? Sounds like three out of four, just because I had to be the odd man on that one. <clears throat> By the way, <laughs> sports betting egg has him as the first as their odds as the first time head coach to be fired at plus four fifty. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Vince. That, that, can you imagine that big old nose getting in your face? Yelling Every time. At you? Stone imagine, cold in him all the time, too. Tanner, man. imagine walking into work and you just got that boy right getting there. up and you all roided out and yelling at you. <laughs> Next up on the list, JG, we have former Chiefs offensive coordinator Matt Nagy of the Chicago Bears. They're sitting at 4-9 and nine on the season. Obviously, Justin Fields has gotten quite a bit of playing time. And uh, the Bears fans don't like him very much. Uh, it's very interesting to me. But what do you have to say? Yeah, when you look at Matt Nagy, I mean, he did inherit the dumpster fire that we call Mitchell Trubisky. Um, you know, as far as this year, Justin Fields, he's missed a couple of games. Um, but much like the case with the New York Giants, 
you know, big markets expect big results. And so although molding a rookie quarterback is very tough in this league, unless you're Bill Belichick, um, Matt Nagy's been there for a while and he hasn't really done a whole lot. So uh, for me, Matt Nagy, you're fired. Yeah, I think that, you know, some guys that come along the Andy Reid tree don't always work out. And I think that Matt Nagy's one. He was only the OC for the Chiefs for two seasons from 16 to 17. He was the replacement of Doug Peterson uh, after Peterson was the OC throughout the beginning of Andy Reid's career with the Chiefs. And obviously now with the Bears from 2018 to present. And Bears fans are getting tired. They're getting fed up of the whole thing. They don't really see it going anywhere. Um, and I think Matt, Matt Nagy probably took some of the tools from Andy Reid and some of the um, schematic play calling because I see some similarities in the offense. But uh, it's it's not the same by any means whatsoever. And I don't really know if the Justin Fields thing is going to work out with Matt Nagy as head coach. And so I'd like to see them kind of restructure their entire system and not be doing what Nagy has been doing. So uh, despite four and nine in the season, I just don't see the Bears going anywhere with them. So you're not a Doug Peterson at all. So for me, Matt Nagy, you are fired. Same boat. Um if I was a Bears fan, I would not be happy about Matt Nagy as my head coach. Uh, I was not a Justin Fields guy out of the gate. I'm really not a fan of any of the quarterbacks that came out outside of Trey Lance. Um, but it's the offense is clear, not working. He's never relinquished the play calling duties. And despite that, he hasn't really put a stellar cast of coaches around him. Um, the team's not terrible, and they're still 4-9, and nine, and... Uh, I'll speak for my friends that are Bears fans and, and say that I would not be happy if Matt Nagy was my head coach. Yeah, people are fed up. And the thing is, is like Andy Reid's coaching tree has not really been that great. <laughs> so, <laughs> you're, you're not wrong. That's what I meant. Some of these guys don't work out. He's one of them. To me, it's not going to work Most out. Most of them haven't worked out. <laughs> now, Nagy is 31-27, and 27, guys. It is a winning record. He is... Uh, <clears throat> you know, He's led the team to two playoff appearances in his three full seasons. First two years. He was the coach of the year in 2018. First year. Fired. You know, and that's all I got for him. I, I hate I hate the team now. I don't think it's good. I don't think it's ever been good. You got lucky getting the wild card the second year. So, yeah. Matt Nagy? Matt Nagy? Fire! Yeah! Fire! We've seen a lot of Vince McMahon today on this. It's tough. I wasn't man. expecting That's that. There's a lot of job opportunities coming up, I think. Guys, we have one more. This is going to be very debatable and controversial, but we have Pete Carroll of the Seattle Seahawks now rolling up in here at 5-8 and eight on the season. Been around now for a while. Obviously won a Super Bowl back in 2013 uh, season with the Seahawks. And what's going on, guys? Seahawks, no, I don't know. It's, they're losing some direction here. And Pete Carroll getting older, of course, even though he's a very healthy man. Yeah. Um, does this does this is this the end of the run? Is this the end of the run of Russell and Pete together? Maybe. I I do believe it is the end of that run. They are five and eight. However, I'm not going to put that on Pete Carroll. They did not have Russell Wilson for three games, and Pete Carroll's 70 years old. But I do believe that he still has a passion for the game. He's got a passion for his players, and so I understand that it's been basically almost nine years since his last Super Bowl championship but he did win a super bowl and so those guys when they win a ring they get a little bit extra leeway 
And I do believe he also has the respect uh, in that locker room. And so my hope for the Seahawks is that they move on from Russell Wilson. And I hope Russell Wilson moves on from them because Russell Wilson, I mean, he's got a lot of good opportunities out there, but he's going to be 34 years old next year. And, and so I kind of want the best for, for both parties here. I want to see Russ move on and do great things, maybe with the Steelers, just throwing that out there. I think um, but, I, team. but I also want to see Pete Carroll move on. There's no way in the world you're going to fire Pete Carroll because if he gets a, a, a big haul when, he, when they trade Russell Wilson, then I, I think the, the Seahawks are going to be good to go moving forward. Yeah, guys, here's the thing here. Pete Carroll's a very good coach, and he has a lot of respect um, for the players, and the players have a lot of respect for him as well. Obviously, been around the game, USC, spent time with the Jets at one point in the 90s, and then came along to the Seahawks and has done a phenomenal job as coach over there. One point, at one point, the Legion of Doom, of course, was uh, was the name, and that was a great structure that they had going for a while. Nowadays, the Seahawks defense is not quite the same. They don't have the talent to make that work like they did in the past. And my main concern right now is if Russell Wilson leaves the, the Seahawks, Pete Carroll does too. I think Pete Carroll needs to be done with it as well and call it good for that whole situation, be happy with the way things unfolded in Seattle. If Russell Wilson ends up staying in Seattle, I'm willing to keep Pete Carroll around as, as, again as well because these guys were just 12-4 and four back in 2020, and 2019 they were 11-5. and five. So this has been a very um, productive team over the years. But sitting at five and eight, I'm going to pretend <laughs> that Russell Wilson is gone from the Seahawks to the Steelers, as you might want to say out there. And if that's the case, I'm sorry, Pete. You got to be fire. So Pete Carroll's on my Mount Rushmore of coaches. <laughs> <laughs> Much of my philosophy and coaching is derived from Pete Carroll. Keep the energy. I love Pete Carroll. And Pete Carroll is a damn good coach. And this is not a Pete Carroll issue that's happening in Seattle. I agree. Uh, and I say that as a former Seattle Mariner. Um, Pete Carroll is not the issue. The issue is Russell Wilson. Russell needs to go. And Russ needs to get out of Seattle. Russ is the one creating the issues. Russ is the one creating the negative energy in the media. Russ is the problem with the team. The team is solid. Russ has been terrible this year. Russ has been an issue within the team culture. Those players would do anything for Pete Carroll. I promise you they would. Pete Carroll stays. Russ, get out of here. But, but Russ always says, go Hawks. I don't care. <laughs> what I'm saying is he, he portrays very, a very positive attitude. Aaron Rodgers says, go Packers. No, here's the thing. is Russ, <laughs> Russ, Russ is the issue here. Pete Carroll is an absolute – if Pete Carroll left the Seahawks – like he would, he would have a job like that. Yeah, and, sure. And, and the thing is, too, like that team is probably going to be a playoff contender because Russell Wilson's not on the team. And Russ is the one creating the issues. And okay. not to interrupt you, but if if he leaves the Seahawks, they're basically turning into the Detroit Lions for a short period of time. Thousand percent. That, and that's the difference between Pete Carroll and a Matt Camp, or especially in that Campbell, division, Dan Campbell is like, I bet Pete Carroll will win five games, six games with the Detroit Lions. Yeah, that in my mind. I, no, I agree. Pete Carroll's built yeah. different. Pete Carroll sure. is an absolute. He's one of the player. elite coaches, of course. And that's why he shouldn't leave. It's not a him issue. It's a Russ issue, and it's been a gotcha. Russ issue for about a year and a half now. All right. 
So I echo because I started working with a lot of people up in that area. And it is, I don't hear bad stuff about Pete. I hear mm-hmm. bad stuff about Russ. It's not, gotcha. it's not a Pete issue. It's a Russ issue. I say, gotcha. I say you keep Pete. I say gotcha. Pete, you keep. Yeah. So where are we at? So if, Russell, so if Russell leaves, Pete stays, what happens to the Seahawks? What are they going to do? Because you, you know, <clears> that's <throat> not your guy. Find, they'll find somebody. It's going to take a few years, but I mean, yeah. I, I think in a coach leaves 75, or what's going to go on? It doesn't there? matter. I think oh, yeah, we would all agree that he could easily rebuild that thing seen, in like three to four years. Yeah. Have you seen Pete Carroll run up and down the sideline? That of course. 35 years old. Great energy. <laughs> Who doesn't want to play for that? And he doesn't yeah. have dementia like uh, Joe Brandon, you know? So, you know, that's yeah, a different story, Pete different Carroll's day. Carroll's going to make it work. <laughs> like, even if it's, if it's two years of eight win seasons, like if it's two years of Jeff Fisher type seasons, like, I will take that with Pete Carroll knowing that the next quarterback and Pete Carroll doing his thing is probably going to lead me to the playoffs. I guess I do have a question, though, before we wrap up the show here. But why is it that Russell, despite the fact he was so phenomenal throughout his career and especially early on and won a Super Bowl and has always been, you know, a guy that's looked up to by a lot of fans, uh, why is he the one that's causing issues in Seattle? I think for him, you know, like I said earlier, he's, he's getting ready to turn 34 years old, and there's a lot of frustrations there. I mean, who knows? In the back of his mind, maybe he's blaming Pete Carroll the, for the fact that he doesn't have two rings for that one call where he didn't Marshall give the ball Lynch to Marshall call. Lynch. I mean, who knows? I mean, a lot of things go on in these guys' minds, and we don't know what the issues are. But at age 34, I mean, if you don't think you're going to win with your, your current team, then you got to move on. And so like, I'm in favor of both guys. Like I'm in favor of the Seahawks and Pete Carroll moving on from Russ. And I'm in favor of Russ going to a better situation because that that's the only way he's going to win is if he goes to the Steelers or or somewhere else. But at the same time, the only way Pete Carroll and the Seahawks are going to win is if they start to rebuild now. And like I said earlier, don't think for a moment that Pete Carroll can't rebuild that thing in three to four years because he can, even if yeah. he's 70 years old. Yeah. He's done it at two different levels. Yeah. yeah he's only done. got like what? Two NCAA championship rings and one Super Bowl ring and probably should have had two. So like the guy knows how to win and that's the most important thing in any sport. And he did it with drafting Russ, what, the third round? Fourth round? Yeah, yeah. Third, yeah. Round. third round. Remember, we took Donald Stevenson right before Russell Wilson, the oh, Chiefs did, so... It's almost I as good as Miko Hardman before yeah, DJ yeah. Metcalf. <laughs> so, and that's the thing, too, but, is like Russ like, complained that like they didn't spend in free agency on the offense and they didn't draft uh-huh. in the offense. And it's like, dude, you got Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, you have two solid tight ends and Will Disley and Gerald Everett. Like, okay, your, your line is in great. You're a mobile quarterback. You should be able to step up and step out of the pocket. Your best thing that you do is step up in the pocket. Like, and I, I think that's part of his problem, though. At age 33 or 34, he realizes that maybe he's not going to be a mobile quarterback here pretty soon or not as mobile as he used to be. And so he expects whatever team he's playing for, like they need to be able to protect him more so than earlier in his career where he just run 90 miles an hour. That's fine. Quit blaming Pete Carroll for it. Quit blaming the Seahawks for it. It's not their fault. I, yeah, I totally agree with you, but that that may be what's going on in his mindset. He just wants to blame somebody. That's why he needs to. He needs to go. Get out, guys. We do have a question from a from a listener on here, real so, quick before we wrap it up. So he's facing the number one overall playoffs. Uh, was it playoffs round two? 
Okay. So what we got, Mike? Can yeah, he's in, he's in round two. Looks like we're looking at, uh, see, pick, pick two. Eckler, Monty, Fournette, James Conner. He says he already has Mark Andrews and Gronk. He says pick two. He's always, basically he's needing to pick out two of these guys that are available between Eckler, Monty, and Fournette and James Conner. So about who to start. Um, we talked a little bit about this early on the show here, uh, Mr. MJ Junior 23. So JJ is going to like your username. Um, but obviously, if Eckler is good to go, I think you've got to play him in this game um, if he's starting. Now he's questionable right now, and we're going to see how that thing unfolds um, before the game tomorrow. But going against the Chiefs linebackers tomorrow, I see Eckler getting open for sure in this game, you know, somewhere around the five, six catch mark. And then on the other end of this, um, I, I'm a big fan of James Conner, the way he's played all year. So um, Tanner and I were big fans of him going into the season as well. We knew he'd eventually start taking over more snaps. And it's worked out, and he's played great since then. So, for me, my two on this is Eckler and James Conner. Do you guys have an opinion here? I'll go with Eckler and James Conner as well. You know, James Conner has the most one-handed catches in the NFL this year. So, yeah, give me those two guys. I, I think mm-hmm. of the playoffs is like DFS. And as you guys can tell, I love DFS. But I think of the playoffs as DFS, like you're trying to get the best out of that day. And if I look at it, Eckler against the Chiefs with missing guys, like I want Eckler in my lineup if he plays. The other three running backs, like David Montgomery against the Vikings, I love that matchup. Uh-huh. I was just about to say. probably taking him over the other two. Uh, Fournette against the Saints. Eh, Fournette's getting a ton of workload and a ton of usage, which I love. James Conner's got the Lions, which I also love from a goal line perspective. But the Lions aren't necessarily a team you beat at the goal line. They're generally a team you beat in the red zone, which is not James Conner. Like, you got to be able to separate the two 20 yards versus at the goal line. Um, I'm taking Eckler and Monty, and I'm, my flex is probably James Conner out of that. And I say that with the flex that could go either yeah. way. Yeah. And the tight end, I'm taking who did the Bucks play? Bucks got Saints. Mark Andrews Mark. and the Raisins have Packers. I'm taking uh, if if Lamar is in, Mark Andrews. If Lamar is out, I'm taking Gronk. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm taking Gronk and tight end for sure. Actually, I'm probably taking Gronk overall. Um, for me, I'm probably going to do Monty and James Conner as well for the running backs, and then my flex here would be Eckler if he's healthy. If not, then go for it. I, I think if you're in PPR, though, you got to go Andrews on that because looking at a guy who gets targeted nonstop throughout yeah. the game. And for, if he's healthy, though, like, for, do, do you trust? Uh, Mark Andrews is healthy. It's Lamar. No, no, I'm it's, saying, I'm saying, do you trust if Lamar's not in though? Yes, yeah, that's yes. He's still going to be a checkdown kind of guy. Yeah, and so he's still going to be available and open. Now, for the last six weeks, he's had double-digit targets. Targets obviously end up equaling points most, you know, over when you look at the the share of the things like that. So I like the fact this last week he had 11 catches for Mark Andrews. I expect at least seven or more this week too. Full PPR, I would have Fournette over Connor in the in the flex. With Mark Andrews. If Connor and Eckler can't go, then you're going Monty, Fournette, Andrews, Connor, in my opinion. Or, sorry, Monty, Fournette, Andrews, and then I don't know who your other receivers are, but um, I'm probably going a different player at receiver (laughs) or at flex. Yeah. Jason, any opinions on that one? I mean, he says if Connor and Eckler can't go, then just – Go ahead and do Monty and Fournette. Well, yeah, you have another choice, I guess. You kind of got to do what you got to do on that one. The full PPR takes me away from Connor to Fournette just because he's getting a ton of targets. Yeah, Fournette is mainly their primary receiving back. Oh, I'm going with Gio Bernard injured all the time. I I would try to – 
have is it if it's two receiver or three receivers? Jeez, oh I really like Renfro, Higgins, and Pittman. So I would try to get uh, those guys in. No matter what, play Waddle on that one for me. I don't care. You play Renfro and Waddle if you're in PPR. Those guys are locks for me on that one. Um, Higgins, I like, but Pittman, I like over Higgins. Three wide receivers. I'm going Renfro, yeah. Higgins, <clears throat> Pittman, and then the flex. Higgins is out, guys. Yeah, if Higgins is out, then you got Pittman, Waddle, Renfro for me. Yep. Easy. That's simple. And then I'm putting one of the running backs in the flex. If not, I guess I have to go Gronk. All right, guys. Hopefully it helps you out, man. Well, hey, subscribe, like our shit, and we will be back here every Wednesday. And actually, Tanner and I will be back once again tomorrow yes. to cover the Chiefs game live with you guys. So we'll be doing a live kind of a show with everyone. Uh, obviously, we can't play this show or play the um, game for you on the on the screen, but no. you'll at least get to see us have a little commentary and discuss the game as as things unfold throughout the Chiefs and Chargers matchup. So we're looking forward to doing that with you guys, and I'm um, looking forward to speaking once again about fantasy anytime that comes up. Any further questions, let us know in the comments after we wrap up here, and we're always happy to get back on and chat with you guys. So I uh, appreciate you guys so much for hanging out with us and um, spending a good old amount of time. CDAWs, obviously, our special guest of the show today. Thanks for coming. Did a damn good job filling in and uh, giving us some insight on Seattle situation as well as some other coaching things. Appreciate it, y'all. Hopefully I'll be on before spring training starts. That is the plan. That'd be nice. All right, JG, Tanner, final words? All right, sports buffoons, we out. See you guys. See you on the next one.